Hello everyone, it's Jerry at The Fledge, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 26 of Every Damn Day, and I am in the uh, room that I'm converting into a studio, or my home studio tonight, and I'm doing a late show, I had a pretty busy day, and I'm still committed to the Every Damn Day, so I wanted to make sure that I get this in, and tonight we are going to talk about the Alice Threshold, Poverty Rates, and Entrepreneurship. And I should probably start by uh, defining what the Alice Threshold is. The Alice is an acronym. It is Asset Limited Income Constrained and Employed. And what that really means is that people live check to check. Um, so if you live below the Alice threshold, you make you might be uh, single and make $15 an hour or something like that. You might be bringing home about $2,000 a month and you are spending eight to a, 800 to $1,000 on rent. You're spending a few hundred dollars on your car, your insurance, your, your maybe your food is like $400. You have things that come up that you have to maintain and repair. You have health care. And by the end of the month, you've got you know, maybe a little bit of money in a buffer. But if you make $14 an hour, that buffer's not there. If you make $13 an hour, you're probably giving up some of the basic needs, uh, most likely sacrificing healthcare and food. And you also um, probably aren't going out for entertainment. You're probably not affording the different uh, things that would give you access to education, training, information, and stuff like that. So living below the Ellis threshold, I like to explain it as, you know, you're, you're living check to check, your car transmission goes out, and all of a sudden, you know, it's not just that problem. It's I got to use that money for the light bill to pay for the transmission, or I've got to take rent money. So then you're safety and security and shelter starts to get threatened. So you're sacrificing basic needs. And then you go down to poverty and it gets even worse because you have you don't have the basic needs covered and you are um, struggling. You are living day by day. And so paycheck to paycheck would be great, but you're more in a day to day mode. And then, of course, I talk about entrepreneurship a lot, so I won't define that at this moment. But um, what I want to start with is I just got out of a check-in meeting for Leaps One and All program, and the Fledge is a program partner for that. And Leaps One and All program, the Leap being the Lansing Economic Area Partnership, has focused on any entrepreneur that is starting a business or has a business going and they live below the Alice threshold. So this program gives a lot of training. I like to call it actually the three C's. It's competency, it's cash, and it's connection. And that's what all entrepreneurs need, but it's also what people need in general to start to prosper a little bit better and start to 
you know, climb out of poverty, get pushed up, get helped with, get the obstacles out of the way. Um, there's so many reasons that people are in poverty. I don't want to uh, sound like I'm blaming them or thinking that they can pull themselves up by the bootstraps or something like that. Um, I don't want to use language like that. But what what this program does is really focus on making sure that the entrepreneur has a little bit of a buffer to succeed and create the connections around the community of people and organizations that can help them. And why I think this is so important became very obvious to me when we started doing our work deeper in Lansing um, with the Fledge. And uh, Shannon shared some data with me from the uh, Michigan League of Public Policy, and I'm going to share a link with you. Uh, and maybe uh, uh, if you're listening, uh, if you look up Lansing on mlpp.org, you will find a, a data sheet, a spotlight on our city. And I want to read some of this data and talk about uh, some of the other data that I know. So the first thing is it's not referenced on this particular page, but it is a um, the percentage of people in Lansing that live below the Alice threshold. It is 53% of us. So 53% um, are living paycheck to paycheck. One problem can derail their whole plan and can snowball into other problems. Then when you start to look at poverty rates, there is a 25% poverty rate in Lansing. There are 31% families with children, 38% of the children under 18 live in poverty. And if you are a single parent, a single mother in particular, you, are, you have a 50% chance of living under the poverty line. If you are a single mother in Lansing, there is a 50-50 chance you live in poverty. I would like that to sink in a little bit. I also want to talk a bit about persistent poverty. And this is pockets in our community, whether they're census tracts or zip codes that have been in poverty for 20, 40, sometimes even 60 years. Um, I don't, well, that might be, a, I know 40 years for sure. I know since the 1980s, there are communities in Lansing that have been stuck in poverty for up to 40 years, and that's persistent poverty. And what I believe is that this, if, if all of us got together today and we said, we are going to solve this problem, we would have to look at all of the causes to the problems, right? And these causes run deep and they, you know, sometimes they're they're random. Sometimes they could be acts of nature. Sometimes they could be something like the, the coronavirus and all of that. But across those years, for 40 years, this is something where we need to allocate our resources differently. We need to change our strategies and our philosophies and our mindset about things differently. I look at poverty as having to be solved at the highest levels and the lowest levels. We all have to work for this. So I start out with saying a, a pretty bold statement. And that statement is that poverty is a policy decision. 
And what I mean by that is there are decisions, there are laws, there are budget allocations that are made at the federal, state, and local level that cause poverty to continue to exist. And, you know, that that sometimes seems like I'm saying, oh, they're causing the poverty. But I don't know, you know, I don't want to get into this conspiracy theory that this is happening or whatever, but the oppressive systems and some oppressive people within our government are definitely causing the policy or poverty and creating the environment for it to continue to exist. So, you know, at the federal level, I think we need more programs that, you know, spend less on the military, spend less on things like that, and start to get money down to grassroots organizations that are strong enough to solve the problems in their communities by themselves. We always see communities looking outside for solutions when the true people who know the true answers live within the community. So, um, you know, I'm going to get to universal basic income, uh, zero. That's, uh, on my list, you're taking my my uh, steam away. But uh, Zero and I talk a lot about UBI and what a, a great thing it would do for all of us. And I will get to that. Um, so sorry, where I was at was that there are a lot of things that the the government can do that we as different institutions and organizations can do to start to uplift people and help people find their way out of poverty. And it's a pretty complicated problem because poverty creates a lot of systemic problems or other problems, poor health outcomes, or maybe an increase with substance use disorder, or maybe areas in the community where the housing, well, definitely areas in the community where the housing is less safe or less maintained, where maybe heating and water and air quality are different problems. So first of all, we have to kind of look at the complicated systems that are causing this poverty, but eventually we're going to get to the causes and we're going to get to see that these solutions are going to cost money to implement and we're going to need the budget to spend on these solutions. And if the government isn't in line with what the people see as the proper solutions, they're not going to fund that and we're going to continue to have poverty. So that's kind of what I mean by it's a policy statement. And I, I'm going to have a lot to talk about poverty throughout this year, um, season two of Every Damn Day, because it's my number one focus right now, because I think it correlates with so many other horrible things being, you know, food insecurity and people being malnourished, leading to poor health outcomes. It can sometimes correlate with crime and violence, though crime and violence isn't only in the poor communities, but it is in a, it's got a higher probability right now. Uh, education, opportunity, things like that will help to reduce the stress that poverty creates and all of that. But I want to get to entrepreneurship for a second and an underlying message of a universal basic income. And what the what with entrepreneurialism, I want to say, is that a lot of times when people are talking about, 
you know, let's go start a business or I want to do this idea. They, they have an idea. They have the creative spirit. They have the vision and they probably have, you know, the grit, the work ethic. They're from Lansing, damn it. So, you know, that's what we're famous for. We work through things We're we're good at it. And I don't care if you're rich or poor, you work your butt off in this city. Uh, well, some of us more than others, I would say, but the city is full of people who work hard. So what I look at is when I looked, when I got to Lansing and I started looking at the entrepreneurs who were trying to start a business and they were struggling and they lived either below the poverty threshold or the Ellis threshold, there was a common theme of the basic needs constantly getting in the way or the lack of basic needs constantly getting in the way. So, you know, you might be trying to start your business, you're working on a pitch or your business plan or your business model canvas, but then you have to go because the kid got sick at school or, you know, you, you, you skip a meeting because you had to figure out how to get a meal for your kid or your car broke down or you're struggling to make rent. And what starts to happen as you get your basic needs not met, your bubble of opportunity starts to shrink and your ability to see into the future, to have a vision starts to go away. So as the basic needs are not being met, and that can be sickly, uh, you know, a vicious cycle where one go leads to another, leads to another, the opportunity and that, that ability to even see for, far into the future psychologically goes away. If a lion is chasing me and I am running, I'm not worried about if my books are up to date or if I updated my business model canvas, I am worried about how am I going to get away from this lion. My brain closes everything else down. And when we're, when we're suffering, when we're short of food and shelter and safety and security and clothing and healthcare and transportation and housing and all the things that we need to just basically survive, then it's very, very hard to look into that future and to try to figure out how you're going to create a business or an entrepreneurial effort that's going to uh, help you prosper. And it's also, this, this all correlates with career paths and your job and all of that too. If you are in a job, no matter where you're at in it, you probably do have some opportunity to advance. But if none of your basic needs or if your basic needs are not being met, again, you're not focused on your job and you're focused on something else. So you get distracted about, you know, the things that you have to do to make it that future a little bit different. And if you're in a job that keeps you there, $10 an hour or whatever it is, and you're, you know, a single mother, you, you're going to struggle. You've got daycare, you've got the schools are shutting down. If you're depending on that for daycare, you've got all kinds of problems that start to collapse in on you. And it is super, super hard to get out of poverty. This is not a pull yourself up by the bootstraps. This is we need to lift our community up. We should be ashamed of ourselves that 25% are in poverty and 53% are under the Alice threshold. So what I guess I'm proposing 
or I'm thinking about is that through an entrepreneurial track, which means learning, you know, having an idea, learning the entrepreneurial processes and systems and mindset and way of thinking, starting to get the connections that you need to grow that business, maybe get a little bit of funding to get it started and getting to a point where you're at revenue. The whole process of doing that, I think, gives you three choices. One is you could choose to fail and that just means you give up on it all and you go back to where you were. But really, you're going to learn when you do when you take that path and you're probably going to come back stronger the next time. Or you're going to start a business that starts to make you a little bit more prosperous and make you uh, make your income or the the it doesn't always have to be income, but your ability to cover your basic needs and then put a buffer in there. Well, that probability will rise. And if that doesn't happen, you're also likely to pivot and join a company doing what you wanted to do. So if you want to start a software company, but you realize at some point there, you know, you just don't have the experience to do it or you can't get enough customers, but you've, you've gathered the skill set to get there, you can often find a job that will pay you more than $15, $20, an hour. Um, by the way, I should comment on the minimum wage. I think the was it the state or the feds that said all their employees were going to be at least $15 an hour, or it could have been both. One of them did. Um, I think that's great. I think $15 an hour is probably, you know, I guess a, a good start, but it's not enough. We've got to get up to $24 or $25 an hour to really uh, help people thrive. And in most cases, uh, the management, the administration, the CEOs, you're making way more than you need to be making. And you could probably share some of that to help lift our community out of poverty. I know that that is a possible thing to do. Uh, the other thing is that with the with the entrepreneurial track and being entrepreneurial in an effort to fight poverty and to get above the Alice threshold, you get another very important thing. And it is probably the most important thing on the Maslow hierarchy of needs. It is in the middle and it is connection. When you are starting a business, when you have help starting a business, you meet people and you meet more people and you meet more people. And as your crowd expands and it will, ex especially in Lansing, it's going to expand in a diverse way <clears throat> where you will have male and female and BIPOC and LBGTQIA plus and vets and women and I already said that, sorry, uh, people with disabilities, all of that, they will start to join your crowd and your brain will get bigger and richer and have all kinds of views of how you can solve problems and how you can find a resource who can help you, who can connect you with somebody, who you can barter with, who you can trade anything with. This start stuff just starts to happen. And I really find this, I find Lansing very unique in the way that a, a diverse community uh, will build around you if you really just let it happen. Um, we have a diverse community by population and if we really tap into that, we are a very, very, very smart 
community. We have people, well, 14% of our population, 15,000 people out of 117,000 um, speak a second language in their home. We have a very large refugee population who are bringing in different ways of thinking about things and different ideas and different things that they need that uh, would provide them with uh, to be able to touch their culture and uh, be able to prosper and keep their culture in mind or in the front. Uh, so entrepreneurialism is important, but when we have a population of 25% in poverty and over half of us under the Alice threshold, it is almost impossible without help. So my ask is this, one, basic needs programs need to be stepped up. We need to start figuring out how to make sure that every single person in our community, in our city, can have their basic needs met. And I, I mean, in our city, our state, and our country, we should be doing this. And one way to do that would be to figure out how to do a universal basic income. Zero talks about funded by a value added tax, which I think um, would be a great way to start. And eventually would likely be funded by the savings that we get from all of the different services that we might offer people in a reactive mode. In the 70s, Richard Nixon almost implemented a universal basic income. He got uh, kind of blindsided with politics and Watergate, and it was used to leverage against him, so it failed in the end. Most studies that have uh, showed universal basic income or studied universal basic income, it turns out positive. People invest the money in their own self-development and education, in maintenance and repair of their house or their car. It, they do the smart things with the money, not the evil things that everybody thinks that uh, people are going to do. We're not dumb. We're poor. We're not dumb. We're poor. And if you give us money or you give people in poverty money, they will figure out a better way to use it to help themselves. We pulled a lot of children out of poverty during the pandemic because of the child tax credit. We lifted people out of poverty. We cut that payment off. Now those kids are back in poverty. It's a policy decision. But we're not going to change that today. But we might be able to change one thing today. And that one thing is this. If you get a chance to help somebody, to mentor them, to buy from them, to connect them with somebody, somebody especially who you know might be struggling with basic needs, if you can do one thing to help them, please do that. You know, give them a gift card, uh, help them out with their car, give them a ride somewhere, uh, give them some advice on their business, do some mentoring, give them a business book, buy, buy them a subscription to, I don't know, whatever soft QuickBooks or something. Do something very small. Donate it directly to them. Donate it to an organization that does this. I'm not plugging it, but the Fledge does do that. And Let's get people the tools they need and their basic needs starting to be met so that we are surrounded by people that aren't worried about that stuff where they can use their brain to think about a vision and to think about a future because if they can't do that right now, they're not playing a role in plan planning the future. And 
if they're not playing a role in that, then the causes and the pain and the suffering and the ability to empathize and the ability to change our systems is not being taught that. And that creates the cycle, that creates the persistency. We need to lift our community out of poverty. We need to help them. I, it's embarrassing. I think you should be embarrassed. We should be ashamed. I know that I always point and say you, I mean me too. And I believe that all of us could play a role in this. I'm not saying we all caused it, but some way we kind of probably did. We contributed, but we can all do something about it. And it's the right thing to do. Let's lift our community out of poverty. Let's get these 25% of people above that line and watch how many people start. Let's trickle up, not trickle down. Let's trickle up. So I always do that when I don't have a guest. I start rambling and talking and I get a little bit uh, unorganized. I need a guest. Um, so if you ever want to be a guest on Every Damn Day, reach out to me, jerryatthefledge.com. Um, I've got tons of openings. We can record. We can go live. We can do it however you want, um, either through a virtual studio or in person. So that's kind of, well, let me see real quick for uh, when needs are met, those needs will be met by any means. Oh, when needs are not met, those needs will be met by any mean. And that is exactly true. Um, and then community savings pools, um, budgeting for mutual credit grows resilient, regenerative communities. We are on our way, but there's still so much work to do uh, to be done. And, you know, if we can I think about that a lot too. We should have funding that we keep in the neighborhood to help our neighbors, you know, repair things and to fix things. And, you know, uh, Greenwood District Studios and Amaru, you know, really cheering for him and hoping that he, uh, he succeeds because he wants to start programs around the city doing that. So support Greenwood District Studios if you uh, uh, get a chance to go to a show or something like that. So uh, that's all I got. Uh, oh, one more thing. Uh, the uh, owncrib.com, all you guys, uh, Ryan and Rachel, uh, the statistic for uh, the people who rent or occupied housing in Lansing, 49% of the housing in Lansing is renter occupied. So think about generational wealth, think about equity and think about how we are going to build generational wealth and equity when 49% of the people in the city rent. It's not going to be through home ownership if we're keeping that way. So let's think about ownership. Let's think about the ways to do that. Let's think about community investment trusts. Let's think about community savings pool and um, all of that. So get creative, guys. We got 40 years to change this. Let's change this in a few years. We can get rid of poverty. I know we can. Love you all. See you later. Hope the show wasn't too much of a ramble. See ya. Good night.